Welcome to Under the Irrelevance. You are now under the influence of our influence. I'm more than just an option. Sing it, Drake. Refuse to be forgotten. Don't be forgotten, bro. I took a chance with my heart. Oh, you taking chances now, okay. And I feel it taking over. Ooh. Sing it, boy. Oh, tell her. Oh, you feeling it, huh? Oh, that's deep, bro. Thanks, Drake. Welcome back to Under the Irrelevance. This is Anthony Valesteros talking to you today again about basketball. It is midnight, the night that the Toronto Raptors won the NBA Finals, bringing Canada their first ever basketball championship and um, bringing the trophy back to where it all started, where basketball started. Uh, The game of basketball was invented in Canada, so I'm pretty sure... There's a lot of basketball historians out there who are pretty excited to uh, have the trophy come to Canada for the first time ever. Um, there's a lot of thoughts that I have on the game six and as well as all the implications that came from this game and uh, everything happened throughout the postseason and the whole season for the Raptors. So I just felt that I had to get on here and uh, talk to you basketball nerds and anybody else who's listening out there. So first of all, congratulations, Toronto Raptors. They definitely earned it. All season, they were one of the best teams in basketball. Um, They proved uh, to be a team of a lot of resiliency uh, throughout the whole season and as well in the postseason. Um, I think one thing that I'm getting from this series specifically is that there should be no asterisk. Uh, a lot of the times is when we see a team with the better player or better players go down with injuries. Uh, a lot of the time people would be like, oh, well, they didn't have this player, they didn't have this player. And yeah, there's always going to be you know some type of built-in excuse when it, when it gets to this point, whether it's uh, your team didn't play well or there was something that happened with the other teams or the referees or whatever you want to blame it on. But no matter what, the Raptors definitely proved that they deserve to be there. They proved that they were the better team through six games of the series. Didn't even have to go seven. They won three road games, um, and they just consistently came out with more energy and uh, just, you know, regardless of if they had more or less talent than the Warriors, it didn't matter. They played better as a team all around. They had a better game plan. They um, just wanted it more. And uh, after five years of going to the sh- continually to the finals you could see a little bit of that the the Warriors would um would not be able to match the level of intensity that the Raptors would have even in game six the final game ever in Oracle Arena um some thoughts on the uh, Toronto Raptors we'll start with the Toronto Raptors because they were the champions so uh like I said there's no asterisk they definitely earned it they deserve to win the championship and there should be no question as to whether or not um if the Warriors were healthy or not, would that have changed? Possibly, but 
that doesn't take away from the fact that the Raptors played great and uh, they definitely deserve to be called world champions for the first time ever in their team history. Um, when you think about going back to last offseason, when it all started, when LeBron swept them out of the playoffs, they knew they had to make a change. Masai Ujiri, their GM, um, was was not going to just run it back like how he did for four or five years in a row with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. He made a big move, a gutsy move, uh, one that caused uh, you know a lot of opinions to be shared out there into the world, whether they thought it was good or not, and what they thought about Kawhi and his injuries, and um, just the fact that they, you know, traded pretty much their best player in DeMar DeRozan and one of the two most loved Toronto Raptors besides Kyle Lowry in the organization um, by the fans in the entire country of Canada who were who are Toronto Raptors fans were all very hurt by what had happened, um, including Kyle Lowry, but. They did end up making a move to get Kawhi Leonard, who was a better player than DeMar DeRozan, and I think that most players would admit that. And I think even at this point, I'm sure DeMar DeRozan, he's, he's got a lot of confidence in himself. He might not say that Kawhi Leonard is a better player, but I'm sure he understands the business side of it. In a recent interview, he even talked about it a little bit, saying that he's happy for you know the Toronto Raptors and for his best friend in Kyle Lowry and that he was rooting for them. I mean, if it wasn't for him playing well for four or five years, they wouldn't have been able to trade him for Kawhi Leonard because the Spurs wanted a lot, and they got a lot in, in DeMar DeRozan. So um, that was still a gutsy move by Masai Ujiri to go out and change the landscape of everything for their future, basically risking it all for one season um, of Kawhi Leonard because that was all that's left on his contract and uh, just hoping that it was going to work out. Right off the bat, you pretty much knew he was going to be one of the two or three best players in the Eastern Conference if he dedicated himself to um, playing all season, like if he cared to prove that he was the best, and if he could remain healthy. Health has been one huge thing that has hindered Kawhi in his um, in, entire you know young career. He's missed a lot of games. I, I believe he's missed more games throughout his career than Anthony Davis has and Kyrie Irving has and those are two other guys who are uh, injury prone and Kawhi Leonard has missed more games uh, percentage wise in the games that he's played than those guys have but a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was resting a lot when he was on the Spurs and um, now this year he only played 57 games in the regular season and a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was recovering from his injury and that the Toronto Raptors wanted to do whatever they could to make sure that Kawhi Leonard was going to be healthy for this playoff run and that he was going to be happy and, and want to play hard throughout this playoff run. Um, more, I mean, an- another person they got in that trade was Danny Green, a guy with championship pedigree. He he was with Kawhi Leonard when the Spurs went to the championship and then won the championship. He's a guy who originally had the record for most three-pointers made in an NBA Finals um, until Steph Curry came along, obviously, but it's not like Danny Green was a superstar. I mean, the guy just came out and just balled out in the finals, and that's what he did this year as well. He, When it comes to this point, he he steps up. All playoffs, he didn't play great. He um, was even off the floor in some big game moments for them uh, throughout the playoffs, but once the NBA Finals came, it was like a light switch flipped in his brain, and he just turned it on, and um, that was huge for them. Another trade they made was for Marc Gasol. 
at some points in the playoffs, it looked like, uh, especially against Joel Embiid, he he couldn't keep up a lot of the time. The only the the main thing that he could do was stretch the floor, get out in space, and and shoot the three ball. But if that three ball wasn't there, he was a liability on both ends of the floor. Um, but once it came to this series, uh, when he's going against guys like Kevon Looney and Andrew Bogut from time to time, and even Jordan Bell, he was far superior than those guys and and made it look easy at some points, especially in the high pick and roll, especially in this game six. In that fourth quarter, they used that high pick and roll to death and forced DeMarcus Cousins to step out onto Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry. And um, a lot of that had to do with the fact that they had to switch right away. They they couldn't leave Marcus all open uh, from the three-point line because he, he can make that shot. So for the Raptors, all these trades going all in for this one season, it had to work. And it did. It, they, they did everything they had to do um, with a rookie head coach in Nick Nurse. Um, a lot of people didn't even know who this guy was. Uh, they may still not know who he is um, going into this finals. They may have still not known. And uh, now they do. Nick Nurse, NBA Finals champion head coach. Um, he was able to change the look of their offense and reduce Kyle Lowry's role as a primary scorer. When you look at the last four years getting bounced from the playoffs time and time again, a lot of the times is if DeMar DeRozan was either getting shut down or teams were focusing a lot on DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry was forced to have to be a scorer. And that's just not really his game. He's he's a point guard. He's, he's in basketball terms, he's relatively small, smaller than the opponents he usually goes up against. He's not really a scorer. He can score the ball when he has to, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to go out and give you 25, 30 every single night. He likes to share the ball, play defense, and get his teammates involved. He's he's not going to be a primary scorer. So Nick Nurse realizing that and um, letting other players step up and be more uh, primary scorers helped, helped them out a lot and relieved a lot of the pressure from Kyle Lowry. And one of the guys that he changed completely was Pascal Siakam, just use, utilizing him to his full potential and um, pro- possibly helping him get the most improved player of the year award. Pascal Siakam was huge. In game one, leading scorer, for his first NBA Finals games dropped 35, I believe it's 35 points, 34 or 35 points. That's just incredible. The guy shot like 75% from the field. You talk about shaking off any kind of nerves. He didn't have any nerves. He didn't look like he had any nerves all series. Um, the only time that there was a question was in Game 5 when Nick Nurse didn't play him for the entire last nine minutes of the game and they lost by one point. Uh, he, I guess it had to do with effort, Nick Nurse said, um, but now he, he got the opportunity to play in Game 6, and down the stretch he was huge, especially in the final minute, the final possession for the Toronto Raptors, they're up by one, and of course Kyle or uh, Kawhi Leonard gets doubled. Kyle Lowry is out on an island, um, but they get a ball to Pascal Siakam. He drives the lane on Draymond Green, one of the best defenders in the entire world and one of the best defenders of all time at his position, and he takes him to the lane. Euro steps, goes up, gives them a three-point lead, forcing the Warriors to have to shoot a three-pointer. That was huge, and Pascal Siakam. A lot of that had to do with what Nick Nurse had helped him with all season, and um, you just can't give these guys enough credit. And 
their ability to be resilient throughout the entire playoffs is what led them to those final few minutes of clinching the NBA Finals. When you think about right off the bat, first game of the NBA playoffs, they're playing the Orlando Magic at home. Everybody's excited. They lose game one at practically a buzzer beater to DJ Augustine and the Orlando Magic. And the first thing that everybody's thinking is, is this the same Toronto Raptors team that is going to choke, even with Kawhi Leonard, even with Marc Gasol and uh, a, a renewed Pascal Siakam? Does it make a difference? And uh, it seemed like a lot of the fans were thinking the same thing. They're Toronto Raptors fans. But after they go down 1-0, win four straight. Answer that question. Second round, they're going against the Philadelphia 76ers. Blow them out game one. They look great. Lose the next two games. On the road in game four, down 2-1. Must have. You go down 3-1, uh, most of the times in the playoffs, you're probably going to lose. They go down 2-1. They have game four in Philadelphia. Philadelphia has all the momentum. Kawhi Leonard hits a huge three in the final 30 seconds to put his team up four and clinch the victory, tied the series up 2-2, and obviously we know what happens after that. Kawhi Leonard hits the buzzer beater in Game 7. Great job. Then, in the Eastern Conference Finals, it looks even worse. Down 2-0 to the Bucks. Down, it, they're, they're about to go down 3-0 at home. They have to go to double overtime just to eke out a victory. And they played the best ball they could possibly play. And I think Giannis Antetokounmpo fouled out and had 16 points. So it didn't look good, even though they were down. They had just avoided going down 3-0. They go down 2-1. Um, and they used that momentum. They won four straight against the Bucks. The team, uh, the Bucks hadn't lost three games in a row all season. They beat them four times in a row to go to the NBA Finals. Once again, resiliency. NBA Finals. Game one, get the win. Huge for the for the crowd and for everybody in Canada. Game two, they lose. Warriors didn't even have KD. Losing game two at home could have given the Warriors the home court advantage and uh, some momentum and some possibly some um, confidence going back home to Oracle Arena. Boogie played good in that game too. That ended up being the only game he played good. But they head back to Oracle Arena and win two straight there. Um, and then in game five, they, they blow it majorly in the final, final two minutes. They were three minutes and five seconds away from celebrating national championship on, or, uh, NBA championship on their floor and they choked and they threw the game away, gave it to the Warriors. And it looked like for two days that possibly the Warriors were going to do this and they come back and answer and they win another road game in Oracle, uh, to clinch the championship. So just the fact of just them remaining level-headed the entire playoffs. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have Kawhi Leonard, a very quiet and fearless leader. After game two, when they had tied the series up, Nick Nurse said that he told his players, all right, well, you know, they evened up the series. All we have to do is go to Oracle and win one game and we'll regain home court advantage. And Kawhi Leonard literally told his teammates, Fuck that. Let's win two in Oracle. He wanted them both. And after game three, when the Raptors won, no smiling, no high fives, nothing. They walked to the locker room like it was like it was nobody's business. They were acting like they had been there before. 
Um, they hadn't accomplished anything yet, and they knew that. And uh, a lot of that had to do with the way that Kawhi Leonard was leading them. And uh, on top of that, I mean, you just look at Kawhi Leonard's entire playoffs. It was one of the greatest uh, single individual player performances in playoff history. He ended up being second all-time in uh, single postseason scoring, only behind Michael Jordan, of course. Um, He encouraged his teammates to play to their best potential, not just asking them to be role players. He didn't he didn't want that. He he constantly talked about how it's a team game and he wants to be a team guy and he he could take over if he wanted to, but he didn't want to play hero ball. He did when he had to, like in the Sixers series, but in the NBA finals and against the Milwaukee Bucks, you really didn't see that. He was constantly getting his teammates involved. If he got doubled, he made the right pass. Uh similar to uh one like LeBron James when Whenever uh, he found the right basketball play, that's the play he made, regardless of if he was the one with the ball or not. Kawhi Leonard consistently instilled confidence in his teammates by passing the ball early in the shot clock, late in the shot clock. Um, you know, saw them coming off screens, dumped the ball to them. He would drive to the lane, kick it out to guys, and and trust that they were going to make the shots. He he had a lot of confidence in his teammates, and uh, that showed throughout the entire playoffs and in the NBA Finals. Um, and he definitely deserved NBA Finals MVP, and uh, he could possibly win the regular season MVP if um, he had he could have if he played more. But uh, playing only fifty seven games, it doesn't look like he's going to get that. Um, with all that said, Kawhi Leonard, great player. One thing that I have to say, this is personal opinion, let's relax on. Uh, talking about Kawhi Leonard as an all-time great. He definitely is is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, he's probably going to get his number retired now with the Toronto Raptors, even if he leaves. If he, if he plays, if this was his only year and he brought them NBA championship, I'm pretty sure they'll probably still retire his number for the simple fact that he brought them a championship in that one year. Um, but... When you're looking at sustained greatness, uh, Kawhi Leonard has has been great on both sides of the ball, but uh, injuries are a part of the game, and they just are. And that always comes into account of uh, great players. Uh, when you think about Grant Hill, Anthony Hardaway, those guys could have been some of the greatest players to ever live, uh, but injuries derailed their um, their careers, um, and it, it changed the landscape of how they were looked at. Kawhi Leonard has already been through a lot of injuries, and who's to tell uh, what's going to happen in the future? He has been great, and he's been incredible at to up until this point in his career. Um, but when we're talking about the best players in the league right now, you talk about LeBron James went to nine straight finals. Um, Steph Curry went to five straight finals. Kevin Durant just went to... Uh, three straight finals. I mean, he didn't get to play this year, but you talk about he went back-to-back finals MVPs and lost one NBA finals game. Um, He did have a great team around him, but that still takes greatness, and uh, you still have to deliver in the moment. And um, if Kawhi Leonard can, you know, maintain great success uh, with some uh, the help of some great teams, then yeah, for sure. But at this point in his career, um, he still has 
to prove that he can sustain greatness for a long time. Um, and I think that's the only thing that's separating him is just time and injuries um, from proving that he is going to be one of the greatest players of this generation. Now let's look to the warrior side of all of this. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about and a lot to think about, especially if you're a Warriors fan. Um, but we'll just touch on a few things. Um, the first thing is, this is exactly what we had said. I mean, everybody knew that the only thing that was going to stop the Warriors from consistent just dominance of the NBA was injuries. And uh, KD going down in the second round was huge, and uh, it was great to see him, you know, recover and get back. Man, it sucked seeing that guy, you know, rehab and do all these things to get his get his body back and right for the NBA Finals. And within 20 minutes, it's just taken from him, and in a, in a way worse way, he tore his Achilles or ruptured his Achilles, excuse me, uh, after sustaining a calf injury, and that's definitely something you don't want to see. Regardless of how you feel about the guy, I mean, you don't want anybody to go through an Achilles injury. That's just, there hasn't been very many players come back from that and uh, still be great. There's there's uh, been a lot of guys recover from it, um, but to be great after is, is definitely something hard to do. Um, but I'm sure, you know, Katie's still young enough. He still has the opportunity to... Uh, take next year off and recover and, and come back in 2020 season and, and be great. Um, and uh, then seeing Clay go down in game two uh, with his hamstring injury and then not being able to play in game three, then they were just down to still a pretty good team, um, but the Raptors were already playing great and they had a lot of confidence. So uh, the fact that the Warriors were down KD and Klay Thompson definitely made it that much harder. Um, they did still have uh, Draymond and uh, DeMarcus Cousins, but DeMarcus Cousins wasn't what a lot of people thought. Uh, me personally, when they signed him, it didn't make a big difference to me because you talk about a seven foot one guy coming off of um, the injury that he had, leg, you know, a leg injury, it, it's, that's a lot. It's going to be a lot of weight um, to carry for him, and uh, it, it would most likely lead to other injuries. And for a short time, it did. He had a hamstring injury as well in his very first playoff game ever. Um, and it took him over a month to recover. And by the time he got back to the NBA Finals, he, he had one good game in Game 2, um, but he really, if anything, made a negative impact on the Warriors. He he just didn't fit. Um, he couldn't hit open jump shots, so he couldn't stretch the floor. Um, and he couldn't drive the way he used to and just overpower players. He, you could see it, especially in this last game. He was going against um, Pascal Siakam and Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, guys that you know a year or two ago he, he would have most likely just bullied. Uh, out of his way and because he was doing that to just about anybody in the league when he was on the Sacramento Kings um, and you talk about now uh, especially what he did in game five he almost gave away the championship with offensive goaltending and then a defensive goaltending and then a moving screen uh, to give the Raptors a chance to win the championship he did not play well so uh, him being on the floor actually didn't 
if anything, it hindered them because they, they had this, you know, damaged goods. Uh, and Kevon Looney was the one who, who played a lot better in that time. Um, Draymond Green played well. Uh, he scored when he had to, but I, I believe he had three triple doubles in the NBA Finals, especially, or uh, as well as in Game 6. He, I mean, 15 points, 18 rebounds, 12 assists. That's incredible numbers. Um, but uh, it, it still wasn't enough. The Raptors were a great team. Uh, not to say that that's any uh, excuse when you have Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Andre Godala and uh, Sean Livingston, all these guys who have won before. Um, but the Raptors were the better team, and the, the Warriors just, uh, they just didn't have it in them uh, after they sustained all those injuries. Uh, speaking of the injuries, Clay Thompson, it just came out tonight that he uh, tore his ACL and man, that's that's rough. You talk about a guy that's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's got nothing guaranteed going forward. Whereas with Kevin Durant, he's got a player option. He can opt in to a thirty-one million dollar one-year contract with the Warriors. Even if he doesn't play one second, that contract is his. Uh, it's his choice. Um, but with Klay Thompson, man, you talk about balling in the NBA Finals. He was shooting. 50% from the three-point line, and then in the fourth quarter of the NBA Finals games, he was shooting over 50% from the three-point line. And on catch-and-shoot threes, he was 19 for 22 heading into game six. So he was playing incredible, out of his mind. Not, I mean, nothing that you don't expect from Klay Thompson. He just took it up another level, as he always does when uh, the, the, the NBA Finals are on the line. And, man, to... To go as hard as he did in Game Six, and uh, for that to be taken away, in you know, in a fast break, he's he's going down for an open dunk, and Danny Green just tries to make a block. I mean, it's it's not his fault, just something that happens in the game, and he gets fouled, and he comes down wrong on his leg, and tears his ACL, and I mean, that's that's not something that's easy to come back from either. Uh, you talk about that's what that's what pretty much. Um, Stop Derrick Rose from his prime. Um, but he could come back and he could be great. But, I mean, at, at best, it's going to be nine months from now. And uh, you just don't know how that's going to affect his free agency. I'm sure the Warriors want him back. But if Kevin Durant opts into his player option, I mean, I really don't know what kind of contract Clay Thompson's going to get. Maybe they could work something out where it's less in the first year and most of the money's on the back end in the second, third, and fourth year. Um, but even then still, I mean, you don't know how a guy's going to recover from that injury, um, especially a guy that uh, is so explosive and uh, is a great jump shooter. Uh, a lot of that rides on, on his legs, and so it's going to be tough, and I mean, man, that just sucks. You talk about a guy who's balling in the NBA Finals, and, and just in a matter of seconds, all that is taken away. Uh, it's sad, and uh, I feel for Clay Thompson and um, just hope him a speedy recovery and that he's even better on the other side of it. Um, let's get into Steph Curry. So just looks like in the end of that game six, he just simply ran out of gas. Um, but a lot of people, I'm sure, are going to say that he choked or, or that he didn't show up. But, I mean, he led both teams in points per game. The guy showed up. He wasn't he wasn't exponentially great. He wasn't over the top great, but he was good. I mean, he he showed up and he did his job and he scored points for his team when he had to. 
but you talk about in game three and then in the end of this game six they run a box in one against him i mean you're talking about four guys playing zone and and one guy playing man-to-man so pretty much every time he touches the ball he's gonna get double teamed and one of his teammates is gonna be open so i mean what are you gonna do in that situation you're gonna pass the ball off if you got it i mean especially steph curry a guy who he i mean he's a point guard his job is to distribute the basketball so um when a team runs a box and one on you i mean that unless your teammates are making shots there's nothing really you can do uh, and that's just smart by the Toronto Raptors. They they knew what they had to do. It's it's not their fault that the the Warriors were going through injuries and that they had one great player on their team. They just did what they had to do defensively, and it was a smart play. Um, they forced Steph Curry to pass the ball, and if he wanted to shoot it, he was going to have to shoot over double team, fading away, uh, coming off a screen in spots that he didn't like. And that's just what it is. Um, now, Steph Curry is... Uh, he's not the type of guy that's just gonna, you know, dominate the game physically. He's small. Um, he's not a big guy. He's he's pretty thin, uh, and he's not gonna impose his will through the use of force or strength. Um, he doesn't have the strength of LeBron. He doesn't have the size of KD to where he could just shoot over anybody. He's he's you know six two if if we're if we're being generous, and so um, he's not just gonna level up level up over anybody. Um, and then he um, doesn't have the size of, I mean, even uh, Kobe Bryant, who was a great scorer. Um, so he's not, he's not going to force his way to the block and, you know, get a spinning fadeaway. That's just, that's not his game. He's either going to kill you from deep or he's going to uh, try to get into the paint and hit a little floater or, or get to the basket and draw foul. Um, but like I said, when a team's running a box and one against you, as soon as he's getting to the paint, he's getting double, maybe even triple teamed if, if they're really daring the the um, Warriors teammates to shoot it. I mean, you look at the squad that was out there on the floor at the end of the game. Andre Godala is way past his prime. Sean Livingston is old now. Um, we could say that. And DeMarcus Cousins was a shell of himself. Uh, Draymond Green, they were living him up, and then he hit a couple three-pointers there at the end of the game, but it wasn't going to be enough. You needed Steph Curry to to step up, and there's no excuse. I mean, for sure, he, he didn't deliver, and... Uh, that's just a part of the game, but um, I mean, it is what it is. He had his chance at the end of Game Six to give his team uh, the lead, and he missed a shot uh, while while he was being double teamed, and that's just what it is. Um, but the big thing that everybody's gonna say is, you know, oh, he's been to five finals, but he's yet to win a Finals MVP. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Let's look at the first one. Um, he didn't play bad in that. I mean, obviously he didn't play bad in that in that first finals, um, or else they wouldn't have won the NBA finals. But he uh, did not have the kind of impact that Andre Iguodala had because of the simple fact that the Warriors were down two one. They made a switch and put Andre Iguodala in the starting lineup, and Andre Iguodala played good enough defense against LeBron James to uh, help them limit the greatness of LeBron James. I, I wouldn't say he slowed him down or, or stopped him because that is not true. Um, but he played good enough defense on LeBron James that it made a significant impact. And he was their, you know, second best player on offense. So all that put together, it, it, it made for Andre Iguodala win the finals MVP. And I'm, I'm sure you asked Steph Curry and Steph Curry would have said the same thing. Andre Iguodala was the finals MVP of that, of that series. 
Um, and then obviously when they get Kevin Durant, you could anybody could have given it to Steph Curry in the the second finals that they won together. I mean, it was a 4-0 sweep. Steph Curry had two great games, and Kevin Durant had two great games. I, I think they gave it to Kevin Durant because he is looked at as the better player, and that's fine. That's that's no big deal. But um, uh, when we're going to look back on Steph Curry's career, uh, maybe that is something that, that people will will um, knock him down for when we're talking about him as one of the greatest of all time. But let's just take a guy. I mean, I don't know, Kobe Bryant, right? He won, he three-peated, didn't win a finals MVP, got back to the finals two more times, uh, and still didn't win a finals MVP, didn't even win the finals two more times after he got there. He didn't win another finals until he got there a sixth time, and then he finally won his finals MVP in his 13th season. So these things are not easy. And uh, even the greatest of all time, Kobe Bryant is considered the second greatest shooting guard of all time. He went to six finals before he finally won his first finals MVP. Steph Curry has been to five. So as we're talking about Steph Curry's, excuse me, Steph Curry's career while he's in the middle of his prime, let's wait a little bit and let's get to the end of his career before we're able to determine whether or not he is going to be one of the greatest of all time. Um, and if he's you know, considered a type of player who doesn't show up in the NBA Finals, because he does, and he has for three straight years, um, including this year when he, he played well, just not well enough. And uh, like I said, he ran out of gas, and it is what it is. He lost. Um, so the argument against Steph is valid for sure. Um, but the difficulty to three-peat, I mean, is is unbelievable. Uh, it takes a lot. It takes luck. It takes talent. And it takes health. And the Warriors have had a lot of luck through their five years of their NBA Finals runs. Um, but that's with every every team that um, does anything great. You're going to need luck. They They've had a lot of other teams sustain injuries. They've had other teams choke. When you talk about the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder when they uh, came back from a three-one deficit, and then when they played the Toronto, or uh, excuse me, the Houston Rockets uh, last season when the Rockets are up three-two, and then even in Game Seven the Rockets are winning, and then they miss twenty-seven consecutive three-pointers. Like that just doesn't happen. Like they left their they left the Rockets players wide open because they just kept missing. Uh, a lot of that's luck, um, and then injuries. And then you look at this season, and the Warriors literally had everything going against them right away. First playoff game, DeMarcus Cousins goes down. Second round, KD goes down. NBA Finals, KD's already out. DeMarcus Cousins does come back. Klay Thompson gets hurt in Game 2. Then Klay Thompson gets hurt in Game 6 uh, when they're trying to force a Game 7. Uh, and that's just something that's part of the game. So when you look at the three-peats that have happened, uh, you can go way back, way, way, way back to the Celtics days when uh, they won, what was it, 10 out of 11 championships. The game was a lot different. They had the most stacked team, um, so they were great, uh, obviously. But then you start coming down later in the years, and uh, you look at Michael Jordan, he three-peated twice. Looking at... Everything that's happened now, uh, when LeBron James was on the Miami Heat and he went four straight years, this this uh, dynasty with the Warriors going five times and they didn't three-peat, three-peating is very, very difficult, especially with the fact that 
the game changes so quickly and teams can catch up to you over an offseason. And that's what the Raptors did. They caught up to the Warriors right away just by trading for Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and Marcus Saul. So three-peating is extremely hard. Uh, so Michael Jordan, uh, you know, may be holding on to that greatest of all time uh, title for a long time um, because of the fact that LeBron was never able to do it and uh, now KD and Steph couldn't do it. Uh, KD couldn't do it because he wasn't healthy, but that's a part of the game. Um, and then you look at a duo like Kobe and Shaq. I mean, th- it literally took prime Kobe and Shaq together to three-peat. Um, and that was not easy. I mean, the NBA Finals themselves were relatively easy for them, but the Western Conference was was rough for them. The Sacramento Kings were... Uh, they had a deeper team a couple of the years, and, and they, they still found a way to win. So the Kobe and Shaq uh, three-peat um, was incredible, uh, especially when you're looking at now with the Warriors when they were not able to do it. And uh, speaking of three-peating, Patrick McCaw, third year in the NBA, first two years with the Golden State Warriors, and now this year with the Toronto Raptors. He's been in the league for three years. He's never lost an NBA Finals. He's the only player to three-peat since Kobe and Shaq. What? Patrick McCaw, shout out to you, bro. Appreciate you. Your game is big. Even if you're not even playing one second, you still three-peated. Don't let anyone ever take that away from you. You did that. And uh, while the Warriors may never three-peat, um, it, it's still possible, but mm, chances are it's probably not going to happen now. But as long as they have Steph, Clay, and Dre, if they choose to go that route uh, heading to San Francisco, they're going to be title contenders. Uh, Steph and Clay are probably going to go down as the best backcourt ever in NBA history. For sure, the best shooting backcourt in NBA history, just looking at what they've done through this point in their career. Uh, their shooting is not going to get worse. Um, and if they keep Draymond, I mean, he's he's their uh, emotional leader. Uh, they're going to be a title contender. They're going to be a team that's fighting to get to the finals every year, similar to the Spurs with their Manu, Tony Parker, and Tim Duncan years. They kept those guys together forever, and uh, it was seven years between their uh, their second title and their last title together. So who knows uh, how long it may be until the Warriors win another championship, but they definitely could as long as they keep those guys together. Um, Speaking of them going to San Francisco, it's time to say goodbye to Oracle Arena for basketball, and uh, it's really sad. Um, I personally loved having a basketball team in Oakland, and seeing a basketball team go to San Francisco is not going to be too fun, especially uh, with just a different demographic that they're going to be going to. It's just going to be a different type of fan. Uh, the kind of fans that they've been having at the stadium the last three years, but they're just going to be in San Francisco, so it'll just be heightened a little bit. Um, I mean, I remember going to the games as a kid and as a teenager and it just being a completely different atmosphere than it is now. I mean, you talk about one of the, one of the greatest home court advantages I could ever remember um, that crowd was just loud. I mean, you think about, you know, Oakland Raiders Stadium and how everybody views that stadium with their fans and how crazy they are. It's the same fans. Well, it, it was, you know, it was the same fans um, cheering for the, the Golden State Warriors, um, even in their bad years. Um, my first memory of Oracle Arena was, as far as basketball goes, we'll just keep it to basketball, was uh, 
Um, I saw Allen Iverson get whooped when I was young. I believe I was nine years old. I, a huge Allen Iverson fan, a huge Philadelphia 76ers fan. Uh, my parents bought me tickets to go see Allen Iverson play the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors were not good. And we had Allen Iverson, so I thought for sure my boy was going to show out. And he did not play well. And the Sixers got their ass whooped. And I remember being uh, maybe 9 or 10. I don't know. I just remember crying uncontrollably because the Warriors had beaten uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. And that was a great memory because, uh, you know, I was there. And I got to witness it. And I got to cry my eyes out. The uh, When I became a teenager, I was dating this girl. And... Uh, her dad used to buy and sell tickets, so we would get free tickets sometimes. So that was the biggest perk of dating her for sure, probably the only one. Um, but anyway, uh, when the Warriors had their We Believe teams uh, with Baron Davis, Monte Ellis, um, Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes, Andres Bedrins, great team, awesome team. Team with all heart, Mikel Petris, literally a team with just straight heart. Uh, Obviously, with some talent, too. Um, Jason Richardson, man. I went to the playoff games, two of the playoff games when they played against the Dallas Mavericks and had that incredible upset in their We Believe season. That was the loudest I've ever heard a crowd in my entire life. I remember sitting next to my girlfriend, and at one point the Warriors went on some run, and the crowd just went nuts. It's so loud. I was literally talking to her right next to her in her ear, and we could not hear each other just because the place was so deafening loud um, that it literally felt when people say, oh, they're going to blow the roof off this place, I literally thought the place was going to fall to the ground because it was just so loud. Um, those, those, were, those were probably the most fun games I ever went to, um, and probably the only time I've ever gone as a Warriors fan, um, but for obvious reasons. Uh, then I got older, and the Miami Heat, when they had their big three, came to Oakland, and I got this as a gift from my aunt and uncle. My uncle's a huge Miami Heat fan, and I was a huge LeBron fan. Um, and we were there the year before the Warriors won their first championship. And uh, that was just when Steph Curry was really starting to you know, get his game going. Um, and I remember the, the Heat had a huge lead all game, and then the Warriors, this is when they were just starting to, you know, uh, get, have those third quarter rallies, and uh, they had one of those in that game, and it was right before All-Star break. I remember Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, Draymond Green were just boom, 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 coming back from a 22-point deficit, and then they kept chipping away, kept chipping away, and in the, in the final, final 17 seconds, I believe it was, Steph Curry crossed the hell out of Mario Chalmers, got to the paint, and won, took the two-point lead. And the Oracle Arena was going crazy. The Miami Heat fans and LeBron fans uh, were silent. We were uh, very upset. And then LeBron James comes down, man-to-man on Andre Godala, sidestep, fadeaway, three-pointer, at the buzzer, good, game over. It was insane. That Bart ride home, though, was awesome because it was dead silent in there. We were the only ones talking. It was awesome. Um, and then the last time I went was the 73-9 and nine season. Um, I went to go watch my all-time bad 
Philadelphia 76ers, I believe they were 12 and 70, ended up being that year against the 73 and 9 Warriors. It was on Easter Day. Um, it was like a one o'clock start game. It was really early. Um, a lot of fun. The Sixers were tied with them going into the third quarter. I was very pleased, screaming, we're tied, we're tied. And the crowd just looking at me like, what the hell is going on? Why is this guy cheering? And who is a Philadelphia 76ers fan? But, you know, Clay Thompson ended up dropping 41 points and the Warriors ended up winning by like 18 or something. But, uh, still that was my last memory there as, uh, for a as a basketball fan. And uh, I'm always going to remember those those games and uh, all the memories I had there and then just watching them on TV and watching that crazy crowd. Um, it's going to be sad seeing them go to San Francisco, but uh, it was a sad way to watch Oracle Arena go down to three straight losses in the NBA Finals, but it is what it is. You tip your cap to the Toronto Raptors. Give them credit where credit is due. Congratulations, Toronto Raptors. That is it from me. Those are my opinions on the NBA Finals, and if you have something to say about it, let me know on the Instagram comments or hit me up on my SoundCloud. Thanks a lot, guys. Under the irrelevance.com.